Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of I Got You Podcast. This evening, our topic is What's Up, Doc? My name is Keisha, and I'm here with my co host Heather and Renee. And today, we have a very special guest joining us today. Her name is Dr. Kathy Yawingu. Dr. Kathy is an internal medicine physician and health educator who's excited about the healing power of a positive lifestyle choices. One of Dr. Dr. Kathy's motto is health is wealth. And she believes that positive lifestyle changes practiced every day are more powerful than any prescription pill to maintain health. Dr. Kathy will help us today to answer some questions surrounding health, especially within the black community. Once again, welcome Dr. Kathy. We're happy to have you. And we'll just get right into it. Welcome. Okay, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here with you guys. Awesome. Our first question today, Dr. Kathy, is based on your experiences, what are some of the health issues you see affecting our black community? Mm, Oh boy. You know, that's an issue that's so, um, it's so complicated because our people suffer from many lifestyle diseases and unfortunately we suffer from them worse than our white counterparts. So the most prevalent disease in the black community is really hypertension. That's the the most common chronic illness. And after hypertension, it's cancer. And, um, we get these diseases far more frequently and more aggressively than um, white people do. And we don't do well with it most of the time or with them. So um, a lot of the issue revolves around or, or, or um, poverty or lack of education. Mm-hmm. Um, so many factors that really affect our people. Wow. Wow. Okay. wow. Okay. So hypertension, do you think, because I know on your, your website and you kind of you know, diet, do you think that has something to do with, with it um, or diet as a black race, you know, how, what we consume mm-hmm. every day? Yes, yes. You know, there for many years, we've been taught in medical school that black people have certain diseases because it's their genes. You know, they have high blood pressure because it's in their genes. Um, the diabetes is because it's been in their family for years. And so we've learned to accept this as something that's going to happen to us. And we pretty much expect to get these diseases. But within the last decade or two or even three, we've realized that that's not the truth. We've been sold a bunch of lies because these are lifestyle diseases and we do not have to get them. Now, what does lifestyle disease mean? Well, it means that it goes way beyond your genes or, um, you know, what's in your family. It really you get them based on the choices you make every single day. Mm. What you choose to eat, how much we choose to move, how much we allow stress to impact us and really, you know, get you know, drive us crazy. All these things affect our bodies and lead to disease. Mm. So we're realizing more and more that if our black community is well educated and has the right support to, to take care of themselves, 
we don't have to suffer the way we are from these illnesses at all. So yes, um, there is hope for change once our people are more empowered. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Okay, that's okay. great. Okay. Wow. All right, Dr. Kathy, I do have a question, right? I've realized that a lot of black people are lactose intolerant. Is it yeah. something that's genetically in us that we can't process the lactose? Yeah, you know what? That lactose intolerance is because we are normal. Normal people are lactose intolerant. Really? <laughs> right. Now, what, what, what do I mean by that? Well, every mammal, like every uh, a mammal is an animal that um, produces uh, milk to feed their baby, their mm -hmm. infant. Every mammal that makes milk has a lactose in the milk. So cow's milk has it, mom's milk has it, every mammal milk mm -hmm. has it, mammalian milk has it. Mm -hmm. And so infants from birth to about two to five years old, they have the enzyme needed to break down lactose. It's a sugar that has to be broken down. But as we get older, we lose that enzyme. That's a natural process of just growing up. We lose that enzyme and there's no need to consume milk anymore. And so whenever someone drinks milk and they don't have that enzyme to break down the lactose, then they get the, the sugar gets in the colon and gets fermented and they get bloated and mm -hmm. gassy and diarrhea and all these uncomfortable feelings um, because they're not meant to have the lactose in their colon. And so being lactose um, deficient, not having the enzyme to break down lactose is actually a normal uh, occurrence. And you find that in about 70% of the world's population. So all through Asia, South America, Africa, people don't drink milk, you know, mm. but when you come to like America and, um, you know, North America and Europe, they about 20% of, indiv of those individuals have retained, uh, more than that, sorry, uh, mm -hmm. almost half of them have retained that enzyme, and so they can drink milk, and they do, and it's pushed big time in this country. All oh. the dairy is pushed so hard, um, because you. the Caucasians can tolerate it better, but Blacks, Asians, people in South America, they do not have the enzyme for the most part, and so that's a normal thing. Wow. So why do they push it so much with babies then? Like we have to give our babies milk and whole milk and everything like that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's wow. about money, marketing, you know. Um, the slogans, milk does the body good, mm. not the truth. <laughs> and I know this sounds really, you know, this is like a shock to many people. Mm -hmm. Like, what? You know, milk seems like the perfect food, like it's essential. But it's not, you know, when you travel, when you look across the world's populations and at the healthiest people, they're not drinking milk. They're walking, they're eating fruits and vegetables, they, they're hanging out with their families, their stress level is low. Yes. They live to 100, they're healthy. They don't have any milk, you know, any great amount of milk. Maybe mm. a little bit here and there, but not a lot like it's being pushed here. Right. So it's really a, a marketing thing in this um, society that we find ourselves. But on a more serious note, we should never give babies cow's milk. A baby's best, um, a baby's best food is mom's milk. Mm -hmm. That's yes. so important. Mm -hmm. And if a mom cannot or chooses not to breastfeed because it's her choice, you know, mm -hmm. some moms don't want to, mm -hmm. then at least get a formula that's soy. Don't get a formula with cow's milk. Your baby's just going to be gassy and uncomfortable and up all night. Mm -hmm. So get a formula with soy. That'll be much better for the baby. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. And for me, as a, a 
at my age, milk? Oh, I am gassy. <laughs> I am bad. Like, it's, it could not be good for you if it's having all those um, mm. effects on your body. It's mm. just not. Yeah. I think more now in my early 40s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow, God. I would never have guessed. You look like you're barely 20. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take it. Right. <laughs> yes, but no, you know, really, milk is not the best food. And if if I anything I want our listeners and viewers to really revisit that topic, you know, mm-hmm. should I be giving my children milk? Do we need cow's milk? You can always replace with a healthy alternative. Mm-hmm. I push big time to all my patients, get a nut milk, a seed milk. They're, mm-hmm. they're everywhere yes. now. Almond milk, soy milk, rice milk, oat milk, mm-hmm. it's all over the place. It's, it's lower in fat, which we don't need so much of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's lower in um, pus and antibiotics. And um, yeah, <laughs> I know that wasn't a pleasant yeah. thought. <laughs> but, I know, I watched it, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's yes, yes, but or people really be better off just not consuming milk. And the what gets people is that when you say stop drinking milk, it means stop eating ice cream and I know. yogurt and, and cheese. <laughs> yes. I know, and that, that's the tough part. You know, people can put milk aside and get almond milk, but no ice cream? Right. That really is a tough one. <laughs> but right. when you're trying to really... <laughs> Heather is like, all right. <laughs> I'm running yes. up with that one. <laughs> but, you know, really, when you're trying to assess how can I get my best health, how can I help my family to flourish with the best health possible, you have to start looking at the dairy products and trying to replace them mm. with plant alternatives. It will go a far away. Okay. That's oh, great. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So um, what what do you think um, are some so many black people deficient in vitamin D and, and what are the symptoms of and how we do how do we prevent it? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, vitamin D is so important for health. We are discovering more and more how important it is there's a vitamin d receptor on every cell in your body which means that it's a part of almost every function you find it on white cells for the immune system you find it on nerve cells on on hormonal organs you know you need it for everything to function well and so we know it's important how do we get vitamin d well it's not found easily in plant sources we really were meant to be out in the sun when you go out in the sun the sun rays hit your skin and then there's a reaction that occurs within your skin with cholesterol and the sun rays that forms vitamin d and then it goes into your bloodstream and into all of your um throughout your blood and gets to where it needs to be and so if you're not in the sun a lot you're not gonna get adequate vitamin d and many of us don't really find ourselves in the sun much. And I don't know how much sun you ladies got today, but I didn't get a whole lot. We don't find ourselves in the sun a lot. That's right. the first thing. And, you know, because we just have busy lifestyles, we're inside a lot. We work inside. We're always doing something inside. Mm-hmm. And where we live, you know, if we're in the northeastern um, hemisphere, we don't get sun that much all year round anyway. In the winter yeah. and in the fall, it's not that sunny a lot. So, mm. you know, we weren't really 
supposed to be in this atmosphere you know when we're in our motherland we get sun all the time and you know we're out there and we get our vitamin d but when we're here in the northeastern hemisphere we don't get the sun we should we aren't outside and so we're deficient and also the more melanin you have that's the pigment that gives our skin that beautiful hue the more melanin that we have the more sun you need to convert vitamin d so for example if you're a very oh. light-skinned person mm -hmm. You only need about 15 minutes in the sun to get 5,000 or 10,000 international units, which oh, is a good amount. Mm -hmm. That's all you need for the day. If you're a medium um, complexion person, I'm going to guess maybe, you know, like Keisha, I can't tell for sure, but, you know, medium <laughs> complexion, maybe yeah. you need about, you know, 30 minutes in the sun every mm -hmm. single day. Mm -hmm. So that means going outside, exposing your face, your arms, you know, your neck to the sun and getting it yeah. but if you're a dark-skinned person like you know a really dark-skinned person you need like 45 minutes of sunlight every single day mm. and you have to be outside not getting it through the the screen you know the glass of the window right, right. from you know your office or the car you have to be outside and get direct rays mm. and so you know it, it, it requires a lot of thought planning and effort to get the vitamin d that you need and so um you know, we are much more deficient than everybody else here, pretty much, you know, right. in this country um, or in America, because your, your audience is probably wider than America. So those mm -hmm. in America certainly have are very deficient. And that's a problem because being vitamin D deficient has been shown to be linked to many illnesses. Mm. Yes. Vitamin deficient women have a higher risk of breast cancer, mm. you know, um, higher risk of infections, sniffles, colds, flu. COVID, you know, yeah. fight things as well. So vitamin deficiency really um, has has significant impacts. And apart from the cancer and the infection, also um, bone pain, soft yeah. bones, and more fractures. Wow. So, you know, it's significant and we have to pay some attention to it. Wow. If you can get outside, I mean, that's the really the best way to um, get your sunshine. Mm -hmm. But if so, you so the other alternative is also because that's what I've been told to take um, vitamin um, D tablets. Yes, yes. Vitamin, or vitamin D3. Or D3. Yeah, yeah I was yes. prescribed vitamin so, D10,000. So I, I try my best to get outside as okay. often as possible, and um, but I'm still deficient. You know, I check my vitamin D mm -hmm. um, once, maybe once a year or every other year. And, and yeah. if you're listening, mm -hmm. really, you should ask your provider to add vitamin D to your blood work panel. You want to yeah. know what yeah. your D level is. It's something that you should ask for, mm -hmm. especially if you are an African-American. Right. Um, so get your vitamin D checked. Um, if it is low, you need to do something about it. Mm. Um, go out more often if you can't. Take a supplement. I take um, about 5,000 units every day in the liquid form of D3. Uh, D3, D2, you know, either one you choose, but you need about um, uh, 5,000 units, international units a day to be on the safer side of D3. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. So we're going to shift gears a little bit. And we wanted to, I wanted to talk about some of the most infections in women are said to be bacterial vaginosis and yeast. Can you explain what is yeast and BV and what are the symptoms and, and just the main differences that you see? Yeah, sure. sure. So first of all, um, 
bacterial vaginosis and a yeast infection, they're not STDs. They're not sexually transmitted diseases. So Very nobody important. has to feel um, bad or ashamed if they have either of these things. The vagina naturally has bacteria. You know, you have bacteria there that are functional. You have good and you have bad bacteria. Mm -hmm. And they're serving a purpose and keeping the, 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 the functions going properly. Um, whenever we have an imbalance of those bacteria, so the bad bacteria rise up and the good bacteria are squashed, you get um, anarchy, so bacterial vaginosis. Too much bad bacteria in the vagina. Mm -hmm. And so that's from a bacteria, whereas with the yeast, it's a different organism. You know, yeast lives in the vagina naturally also, but when the pH or the, 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 the chemical um, balances are not accurate, the yeast kind of rises up and takes over and starts to proliferate, mm -hmm. and you get a yeast infection. Mm -hmm. Now, they present very differently. With bacterial vaginosis, um, you, it, first of all, it's, it's common. About one in four women will mm -hmm. get it. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it can be caused by many things, but before I go there, the, the presentation is um, itching, some burning, um, a thin discharge, you know, like a whitish, grayish, bluish yeah. discharge. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a fishy odor, and you're like, "Well, what's going on there?" You know, that that can be <laughs> that that can be one of the symptoms. Yeah. We call it the whiff test. When you go to your doctor, they take a whiff, and you're like, "Ah, oh, oh, there's Lord. the fish," you know. Exactly. <laughs> there's the fish. Okay. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so, so yes, um, some women, it has no symptoms. So you can have BV really? and not even know it. It just kind of goes away because it can resolve on its own if you change, you know, the environment a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, you know, BV is, is often not a big deal. It can be a big deal if you're pregnant. If you're pregnant, you need to get it taken care of because it can lead to problems with your unborn baby. You can have preterm, babies can come up too early, mm -hmm. too small. So it's important um, with, um, when you're pregnant, for sure. Okay. Um, but that's the difference. With, with yeast infection, that's a whole different beast. I mean, um, if you've ever had a yeast infection, it's extremely annoying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've had my own share from taking oh, antibiotics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yes. the antibiotics kind of kill out the good guys, and then the yeast just takes over and it is so, so itchy mm -hmm. you know it's extremely itchy yeah. mm -hmm. and you get this discharge that's not thin and light it's like this cottage cheese mm -hmm. yellow gunky yucky stuff mm -hmm. and um, it's very uncomfortable mm -hmm. so if you've had it don't be embarrassed you know it happens to anybody you know it, it, it's, it's really not a big deal but you have to get it treated right. that one you have to get it treated and it's easy a simple pill boop it's gone um, it's easily treated, so just go to your provider and tell them what's going on, and they can help you get rid of it. So that's great. Good so, to know. So, Dr. Catholic, that's one of the things that why we wanted to ask about BV and yeast because a lot of men, when they find women that have that fishy smell or they're having sex and that smell comes, they start thinking that these girls are nasty or that they're promiscuous or that they do have an STD, right? So, yeah. what do we? How do we even have those conversations with? the men that we have in our lives and everything else, because it's also an embarrassment, I guess. Yeah, for yeah, women yeah. Even talk about well, that. So for, for the woman listening, first of all, don't be embarrassed and just try to educate your partner. I mean, like, listen, <laughs> this, <laughs> is, <laughs> this is not an STD, you know. Let's, let's educate them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Let's help them to understand because 
their their um, sympathy and understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have a yeast infection, you need to hold off on sex. It's just too uncomfortable yeah. to do that when mm -hmm. you have that yeast growing there. Mm -hmm. So just let them know it's not an infection. The 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 about the, the pH balance, the, the environment of my vagina has been altered because of. Don't even give any reason. It's just been altered, and I'm gonna get it treated, <laughs> and it will be gone. Right. But I need a time out <laughs> for a few days, right? Right. Because right. this has to heal. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. you know, so it's important for the woman first of all to realize that she, you need to, we need to know our worth first, right. and explain to them right. this is what's going on. Don't let them determine our worth right. and what's going on. Right. So that's the first thing I would say. Wow. Can you also get it? I know there's a myth. Can you get it if a man has more than one partner? I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. So usually, no. Um, with bacterial vaginosis, mm -hmm. the the causes can be if the, if a woman has a new sexual partner. Yeah. Um, so his his chemical stuff changes her chemical mm. stuff and then she you know she gets that infection he didn't really give an infection but the just just the ph and the the chemicals and the the, the environment has changed because he, he has introduced a, a different you know um environment pretty right. much yeah. um or if the woman has many sexual partners so multiple exposures that's mm -hmm. one cause but not necessarily the cause of bv and you know, when it comes to BV, there's so many different um, factors. Can I take a minute to just give some tips on how to keep your vagina healthy yes. so that you don't have so Please. many infections? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I need a healthy vagina. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so for those of us listening that have vaginas, listen up, okay? <laughs> listen up, the way to have a healthy vagina, I'll give you 10 tips for a healthy vagina so that you can have less BV and yeast and, you know, all of these annoying uh, experiences. First of all, don't douche. Douching is not shown to be helpful. You know what happens? Um, when you douche and you're trying to clean internally, you're removing the good guys and now the bad guys are like, yes, we'll take over and you have a higher risk of infection. So don't douche, just just leave it alone. The vagina is a self-cleaning organ. She takes care of herself. You don't have to be cleaning with any douche products. Um, when you clean the area, just use water and gentle soaps and don't try to get inside. Just the outside areas is all you need to clean the vagina. Um, also, don't use scented products as much as possible. You know, scented tampons, scented pads. Mm -hmm. um, um, don't spray scented perfumes up, you know, inside of you. <laughs> too many chemicals. <laughs> too many chemicals. You know, it the vagina is, it doesn't need all of that. So don't spray those things inside of you. Avoid tight underwear and really tight pants, you know, you know, the, your organ wants to breathe. So when you have really tight, you know, constricting. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I feel like Dr. Kathy's preventing me from being sexy. I'm just saying. I just... <laughs> oh, God. You know, you got to weigh the risk and the, you know, the, the benefits and the risk. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to even enough, you know, a, a, you know, <laughs> tight clothes. <laughs> Go ahead, but it shouldn't be your, you know, your, what do you call it? Your MO, your everyday thing. Yeah, your clothes yeah. are just like so tight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what is it called? Huh? Your MO. Yeah. up around that. <laughs> Yes, you, you really want to give some time to breathe. Um, also, you, 
wear underwear that has a cotton for the crotch mm -hmm. part so that you can have uh, a more breathable material. Um, and when you go to bed at night, consider like tossing the undies, mm -hmm. you know? Free balls. Yes. Freeze. Free. <laughs> Just be free. Take the bra and everything off, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, will, we shouldn't sleep in our bras. It's not good for our breast health at all. Um, yeah. So, you know, when we go to bed at night, we should really be free and... Um, you know, just just that's natural. Give your 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 organs time to breathe and right. to be dry, yeah. not to be moist and humid. Mm. Okay. Um, change your tampon every four to eight hours or your pad. Don't wear it for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And oh, wipe from front to back, please. Always yes. front to back. Never from your butt to the vagina. That's yes. a sure way to get infections. Mm -hmm. And I think, oh, and get to know your vagina. You know, take a mirror, look <laughs> down there. Yes, honey. Look, yeah. <laughs> look down there. You know, just be oh, familiar honey. with your own body so right. that when something abnormal happens or the smell changes, you know right away. Mm -hmm. It's good to yeah. have your doctors, but we need to be familiar with ourselves, mm -hmm. doing our own breast exams, looking at our vaginas every now and again with a mirror to make sure that things look, you know, okay. Mm -hmm. And also, don't remove all the pubic hair, you know. The pubic okay. hair is there for a reason. And when you start <laughs> shaving everywhere, shaving everything, you, you get... <laughs> <laughs> Which 
yeast loves a very high sugar diet with lots of white flour it increases your chance of yeast infections yeast just loves sugar so when you have a lot of yeast decrease your sugar intake significantly your processed sugar intake which means um eat sugar in a fruit or you know eat it in a sweet potato but don't eat it in like um ice cream or you know where you add sugar to stuff right. yes yeah. bad news for your for your vagina and your whole body actually it really is bad news okay so let's move on from the vagina to the penis okay. oh boy yes. <laughs> and because because you know, the penis is important so what is erectile dysfunction and what causes it that's the first question and what is the age range that men experience it and can it Male listen who has a male who has erectile problems, 
when you're trying to go easy on how much meat you're putting on his plate, how much oil you're putting in his pot, how much um, um, bacon and, and fatty stuff you're giving to him, the more fruits and vegetables he eats, the better his chances are of getting better blood flow mm. to his penile area. So really, it could be the diet, too much cholesterol, too much fat, also diabetes. You know, it's, it's yeah. diabetes affects every organ in the body and the mm. penis is not left out. And when a male has, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's for real, diabetes sucks, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Um, the good news, though, it is reversible. If you are listening or um, watching us, please remember these words. Diabetes is reversible. When I was in medical school, we were taught you can't reverse it. You know, just manage it forever with pills and insulin and, you know. But no, we've discovered now that with the proper diet and lifestyle, you can get rid of that disease. Mm. It just requires the proper education and knowing what to eat and how to eat. And I'll just leave this little tip. A plant-based, unprocessed, unrefined diet linked with good exercise and stress management can really help you get diabetes under control and maybe even gone. So diabetes is one thing that affects the penis and it, you know it decreases the nerve sensation, the blood flow, and that can affect uh, um, proper um, erections. Also, um, obesity, which is growing in our community, and so that affects it tremendously. Also medications, some men have said medications for high blood pressure, that does affect their their sex drive, their, their performance, yes. um, and also stress. We're in a stressful time, you know, mm -hmm. you know, unemployment and family issues. Stress right. affects how well um, the penis will be erected. So those things are, 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 are serious, but they can all be addressed. So don't be afraid to talk to your provider. Right. Talk to somebody who can help. And once you can find the cause, guess what? probably take care of the problem. Right. Dr. Kat, I guess you already answered my question. I was going to ask you, is, can a lifestyle and diet change a person's with ED? You just already answered that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But one question I have to ask, does a lower testosterone also affect that too? Yes, thank you for bringing that up um, because <laughs> I didn't mention that. That's important. So physical things, like I mentioned before, psychological issues, um, hormonal issues like low testosterone will affect um, the performance of how the penis works, and so um, that's that's important too. And as men get when men get to about 40, 50, sometimes the testosterone level can start to decline, um, not rapidly but slowly over time. It can. Uh, most men don't really notice a change because they don't have any big symptoms, but some men will notice okay. the, the effect of lower testosterone. Right. Also substances like alcohol, tobacco, those do yeah. affect um, how the penis functions. And, you know, if you're a male and you're having erectile dysfunction and you smoke and drink, you know, really, really, really try to get rid of those habits. They're really bad habits that affect you all over. They affect your heart, which is the number one killer um, in this country and in our population. They affect the penis, and I know that's what's going to motivate you. So if it's for your penis, just stop smoking, you know? <laughs> you know, do it for your penis. <laughs> but stop smoking. Stop smoking for your penis. All right. <laughs> 
Right. Do it for your penis. Do it for your penis. Yes. <laughs> that, and that will take off because right. men will jump through loops for their penis. Right. <laughs> Right. So, um, I know a lot of what we talk about as it relates to women experiencing hormonal changes and stuff. Yeah. Never yet that men experience hormonal changes. So, could you speak on that from the standpoint of men and hormones? We, do, we just talked about testosterone, but in general, are there other things that we need to consider or men need to consider to let them know that, listen, they also experience hormonal changes as well? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, definitely. Um, women, when we are in the menopausal stage of life, we have like a drastic decline in essential or hormones and we, we feel we feel the difference, you know, it manifests in many different ways. Men are different, you know, they also have hormonal decline over time, but theirs are more gradual, you know, over years, so they won't necessarily have any drastic changes mm. like we do or we experience as women, but they do have um, hormonal decline over time and changes, and and so lifestyle, you know, really implementing a healthy lifestyle, a healthier diet, higher in fruits and vegetables, engaging in regular exercise from a young age and continuing into um, older mm -hmm. life does help with proper balancing and maintaining a healthier uh, hormonal level. Definitely. Wow. Okay. That sounds good. So Dr. Kathy, so recently I heard of a situation in which a, a guy had a prostate exam and during that prostate exam, he ejaculated, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And didn't turn out too well for the doctor. So my next question, and the last round of questions, I want to, I want to talk about the prostate. Mm -hmm. And what is the prostate and why is it important in men? For men? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. Because most men don't really know much about the prostate and, you know, where it is and what it does and why it's so important. Um, it's like a weird term and they can't really see it with their eyes. So <laughs> the prostate, <laughs> the prostate is like the size of a walnut. It's quite small and it is between, it's um, in front of the rectum and beneath the bladder and it kind of not wraps around, but it kind of abuts or pushes against the urethra where the pee um, comes through. So um it's as men age it grows it gets yeah. bigger um it, it is very important because it produces the fluid that semen needs to flow through you know that men when men okay. ejaculate the prostate is plays a big part because it's helping with that fluid to come to, to go through there so it's important as part of the from part of the male reproductive system um Ways for men to keep their prostate healthy, again, goes back to a healthy diet. Um, because when the prostate isn't healthy, it leads to a lot of discomfort um, for the men, you know, affecting the way they pee. For example, if the prostate begins to grow, which happens by like age 40, 50, 60, it starts to press on the urethra, and so peeing is strange. Yes. Like right. they're 
they're peeing all the time or they're dribbling or they can't empty properly. Um, and so they have a lot of issues with peeing. Um, and it, it's not uncommon. And so if that happens to you as a male, tell your provider. Because you want to make sure it's just what they call benign prostate yes. enlargement or benign prostatic hypertrophy, BPH. And that's not, you know, a big problem except that, you know, it's annoying. You know, and there are meds that can help that. But big tip, zinc. Zinc is important for the prostate, especially pumpkins. A lot of oh, wow. where men with enlarged prostates eat pumpkin seeds every day, and it helps the prostate to behave itself. So that's a tip for or, um, or men. Uh, we like to say zinc for men, iron for women. Okay. Um, the ladies, oh. we need the iron, the men need the zinc. <laughs> okay. But yes, the prostate is very, very important. And so... Um, a proper diet is very essential for men. Um, eating foods like uh, tomatoes, a top food for your prostate, men. Tomatoes, not in oh, tomato wow. ketchup. <laughs> I recommend that. That's not on my prescription list. But eating right. fresh tomatoes, you know, sauteing them, cooking them, you know, marinara sauce, high in lycopene. The prostate loves that, mm, and it yeah. helps with the fluid formation and flow. Um, so tomatoes are great for the prostate. And like I said, pumpkin seeds, number two for the zinc. And and zinc increases testosterone also. Okay. You can okay. tell I love food as medicine, right? I believe that food is medicine. Yes. And so I, love I love talking about how food heals the body. And, um, and other things like spinach, you know, high in magnesium, that helps the penis, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so you eat more spinach. Help Papa, it helps your penis too. Be nice and strong. <laughs> so so foods like those okay. are good. Carrots are high in a certain compound that uh, help the, the prostate be healthier, helps to fight prostate cancer. Um, apple peels also Ooh. help fight prostate cancer. Oats help relax the, the, the blood vessels and help make uh, erections harder. So these are all natural foods that help our men to have um, healthier prostates wow. and penises. Hmm. That's good. And, you know, Dr. Kathy, one of the reasons we're doing this podcast as well is because black men have a problem going to the doctor to get their prostate checked for whatever reason they make up in their mind. And yeah. we just wanted to, to, them to know that it's important to do so. Um, and also the fact that even in, in the situation just, that just happened, it's possible that when you have a prostate exam that you can't ejaculate. Because I, I think we need to educate the men that these things can happen and that don't get upset. It's just, it's a medical thing and, that and not, not something else. Yeah. So that's why we wanted to just to educate them and to let them know the importance of getting your prostate checked yeah, and some of the ways to, to make it healthy. Yeah, it's super important. Uh, you know, when a male, a black male turns 40, we need to be all over your prostate um, because you do not want to get prostate cancer and catch it late. You know, right. um, if you catch prostate cancer early, your chances are really good that you yes. do much better. Um, but if you ignore your prostate, you know, don't get it examined, don't get it checked, don't get your PSA tested, just don't go to your doctor, period. And then you happen to have prostate cancer, later on um, in your 45, 50, it's just far gone. Mm. 
and it makes it very tough. Black men do worse with prostate cancer, and I don't mm -hmm. think it's because they have bad genes. It's because, you know, of just lifestyle choices and um, delayed care. Right, One of right. our problems in the black community is delayed care. Right. We, we, we don't get the proper follow-up. We don't get the early diagnosis. You know, we don't really know right. um, what to get checked at the proper age time, you know, um, uh, milestones, yeah. and we do worse. And so uh, if you're a black male listening to us, and you, if you are yeah. close to 40 or at 40 or past 40, run into your doctor's office and be like, please check out my prostate. I want to be here. I want to be around, um, and I want to be healthy. And you said and, they could draw uh, blood, though, right? About, uh, in terms of um, the milestone of being 40 and checking your prostate, are there any other milestones that men need to pay attention to and other health issues in terms of those milestones that they need to pay attention to? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, when, so from, from, did you guys know that the population that consumes the most amount of fast food in this country is young black people? Oh, wow. Black youth between 20 and 49 eat the most fast food wow. in this country. Um, so I, I bring that up to say, if you are a young black male, you're 20, you're 25, um, there are no real big milestones yet for you to address with your doctor in terms of uh, checkups, but you need to leave the fast food alone, please. That is not real food. That is slave food. You need to eat real food and start getting into a habit of eating fruits and vegetables. Why? For long-term health, for your skin, your penis, your heart, for everything. You need to start doing that now. When you get to um, your 30s, start keeping a close eye on your blood pressure because that's when blood pressure starts to hit the, the, the black male. Um, early 30s, start having your blood pressure checked every time you go uh, to the pharmacy or wherever mm -hmm. you see a blood pressure cough, you know, in the community, get it checked. And yes. when you go to your doctor, of course, you know, have that checked. Um, when you get to, if you have a history of prostate cancer, um, in your family at 35, you want to start pushing, mm -hmm. you know, can I start getting checked? Make sure I don't, I'm not going to get this. When you're 40, for sure, black males start having your prostate checked. When you're in your 50s, when you get to 50, time for that first colonoscopy um, unless you have a history in your family of polyps and cancer then even earlier you know we have yeah. examples of beautiful black stars that have fallen from colon cancer yeah. and so we don't we want to try our best to to just stay ahead of it if possible mm -hmm. so when yeah. you get to um 50 for sure you need a colonoscopy and all along the way you want to have certain things check like your cholesterol keep that under control your blood pressure and your hemoglobin a1c mm -hmm. what is that for diabetes mm -hmm. you don't want to get diabetes um going rampant mm -hmm. so have those basic and your vitamin d have those basic things checked as you're progressing in life okay awesome thank you that's great um Heather, do you have a question? I saw that you were about to say something. No, I was going to ask, with the prostate, since they don't want to get tested for the prostate, right? Is there blood work? Can they do that to start getting um, an idea? Yeah, okay. sure, sure. So um, the um, 
Urological Society isn't as strict with the digital rectal exam anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, so you don't have to have to have to have that. You know, talk to your doctor. Some doctors, it may be essential in some cases, but there is a blood test, a PSA test that mm-hmm. can be used. There are pictures that can be taken. That can be t- um, so it doesn't have to be the rectal exam, but your doctor will decide okay. if you need that part as well. Okay. Like that. Thank you. Those are such great topics. Okay. Um, does anybody have any more questions for Dr. Kathy? No, I think this was so awesome oh and exciting. God. Thanks, Dr. Kathy. I, look, I learned a lot tonight. I know. Oh, no so, hair, Dr. no Kathy, shave. So, what? <laughs> what did you say, Keisha? I didn't hear that. No waxing. No, nothing. Nice. I'm just kidding. But it was great. But So we, we have a segment before we end our show. Is so We talk about gratitude and we ask our guests what are they most grateful for? And that's what I'm asking you. What are you most grateful for? What am I most grateful for? Well, I am really grateful for, I have to pick one thing, right? One thing. <laughs> one thing. That's why it's so difficult. It makes you think, right? Oh my goodness. Um, mm. Oh, that's not fear. Okay, 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 okay. <sighs> I'm really grateful for mental health. For mm. mental health. Yeah, mental yes. health. Because um, it's it, it's that. difficult when 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 that's not there. Mental health. Right, right. <laughs> great. Well, this was a great episode. Um, we're just happy that you you decided to join us. Um, before we leave, do you can you tell us your social media media handles for the, the audience? Oh yeah, sure, sure. So um, you can find me in a few places. Um, Instagram at Wellness Doctor Mom. That's W E L L N E S S Doctor D O C T O R Mom. Uh, that's Instagram, and then for my website is Wellness MD. Uh, Wellness MD Mom. Um, <laughs> and for YouTube is Wellness MD Mom, and so that's and Facebook is Wellness MD Mom. Okay. Oh, can great! I, well, Dr. Kathy, do you have something, Heather? Can I ask one more question? On these websites, do you give yes. the food on what people could could eat also to fix some of these issues that we just talked about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my aim is to help folks just feel better, uh, look better have a healthier family with food, you know, and so I have a blog that I publish that talks about different aspects of food and the YouTube channel that tries to teach how to make different foods in the kitchen with your kids um, because it starts from their kids. If you get them eating healthy early, they'll likely just remain healthy eaters. Well, thank you again, Dr. Kathy. It was so awesome having you. We really appreciate you. We appreciate your energy and your information. Um, you can find us on all social media platforms at I Got You Podcast. This has been an awesome show. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you soon. <laughs> all right, then. Thanks, Dr. Kathy. Thank you so much, Dr. Thank Kathy. You. You're welcome. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.